Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Easter's all about, before he can tell you about Jesus, he's got to tell you about Easter eggs. But uh, we're training him and teaching him about Easter is about Jesus. Amen? Well, we've been in a series uh, called Coded. And so uh, I get the honor to preach to you the third part of this series. Um, And Coded has to do with the story of Joseph. And uh, we all know Joseph. And uh, he had a coat that his father had given him that marked that he was different than everybody else. Amen. And uh, so, but my, uh, the first thing that I, want, that I thought about is that um, Joseph was coated. And he had a physical coat that represented his, what Pastor Steve calls, coatedness. All right. So he had a coat, a physical representation of his codedness. But my question is, very early on in his life, he gets that coat taken away from him. Did he lose his codedness because he lost his coat? No, that's what Pastor Steve has been preaching to us about so far, is that he did not lose his codedness just because he lost his coat, his physical representation of his codedness. So I bring that into our life. What physical representation do we mark as our codedness? Come on. God's blessed us, God's marked us, God said that we're different. What physical representation has he given you for that? Is it your marriage? Is it your job? Is it your kids? Is it the fact that everything is working out in your life? And my question is, what happens when that coat's taken away? What happens if what you thought marked you as different, what if that leaves? Does it affect your codedness? Or like Joseph, you know that you're coded even without a coat. Come on. That's what we've been talking about. That's what Pastor Steve has been preaching to us about. He's talked to us about that we're coded with two things. We're coded with his preference and we're coded with his presence. Amen. Those are the two things that we've talked about so far. So this morning, I want to take it one step further. And I'm going to talk to you about Genesis chapter 42 through 45. For time's sake, I will not read all of those chapters to you. Somebody say amen. I'm just going to paraphrase to you if that's all right. I'll give you Woody's version of, of that story. But we understand that it's the story of Joseph. And early on, we know that Joseph was sold as a slave. And as a matter of fact, the Bible talks to us about the age that he was. And I'm going to point this out because I want you to understand and see what it was. He was 17 years old. 17 years old, had a dream, shared it with the wrong people. And he got sold as a slave. He was made to be a slave at 17 years old. That's the story. But uh, he was sold as a slave, but then he became an attendant. Come on. Even in the slavery, he was still coded. Even without his coat, he was still coded. So at 17, he was sold as a slave, but he became an attendant. Then he was put in prison, you know, falsely accused. He was doing what was right, but he was falsely accused. Anybody been falsely accused In here, anybody had things put on him, labels that were not them. He was labeled by something that he was not. And he got put in prison, but he became the lead prisoner. Come on. You see, Pastor Steve's talked to you about this. He was coded. He became the lead prisoner. And then eventually, this is where we're picking up, Pharaoh has a dream. 
and nobody can interpret this dream. This dream hits him at his soul. It's one of those dreams that he knows is a big deal, and nobody can tell him what the dream means. And so he puts the people in prison, and then they run across Joseph. And Joseph says, and, and they, Joseph interprets a couple of dreams for people in the prison, and then they, when Pharaoh can't interpret his dream, they say, hey, maybe Joseph can. So Joseph goes and interprets Pharaoh's dream, and then guess what? He goes from being the prisoner to being the lead prisoner to now he becomes in charge of all of Egypt. He is the number two in command. Pharaoh is the only person in the entire land that's bigger and badder than he is. And Pharaoh gave him all the power and all the authority. This is Genesis chapter 42 through 45. The dream, when he, became the, when he, when he interpreted the dream and he became the leader of Pharaoh, he was 30. 17, now he's 30. I don't know about your math, but that's 13 years. 13 years where things kind of didn't seem to go his way. Come on, and we complain about a bad week. 13 years where things don't necessarily go his way. But he interpreted the dream, and the dream that he interpreted that Pharaoh had is that there was going to be seven years of abundance followed by seven years of famine. And if they didn't make for sure that they were prepared, that they were preparing for the famine during the seven years of abundance, everybody was going to die. Come on. So he interpreted that dream. So Pharaoh said, you're a wise man. I'm going to put you in charge of all this. You figure out how we don't die in famine. Well, thanks a lot. I'll figure that out. But he did, and he figured all that out, and he knew that, but he became the leader in charge. And then once the famine starts, guess what? Joseph's brothers show up back on the scene. This is the Genesis chapter 42 through 45. So, so it, it's, it, he was 30 when he became this in charge in Egypt, and then seven years of abundance, so he is now 37. See, y'all are out of school, but you're still good. 37 years old. And then his brothers re-enter the scene. Now, isn't it time that his brothers get what they deserve? Come on. You've had all of these years to think about it. You've had 22 years to think, what am I going to do when I see my brothers? My brothers that I, that I loved, my brothers that were my kin, but they sold me into slavery. Now, what am I going to do to them? Come on. If you had that opportunity, 22 years. Some of you have had that opportunity with family members, with friends. You've had that opportunity. And what does Joseph do? In that situation, what does Joseph do? You know the end of the story. What does he do? Does he kill them? Does he have them put in prison? Does he say, you sold me as a slave, and I'm going to show you what you deserve? No, not at all. As a matter of fact, when he sees him, he's brokenhearted. He's moved with compassion. And what he ends up doing is he ends up saving not only his brother's lives, but his brother's and all of his family's lives. That's what Joseph does. What would we do? Think about that. What would we do? So what I want to talk to you this morning about is Joseph was coded with forgiveness. So we talked about he's coded with preference. He's coded with presence. Today I want to talk to you about how he was coded with forgiveness. See, he would have never saved his brother's lives had he not forgiven them. Think about that. If he hadn't forgiven them, he would have given them what they deserved, which he would have thrown them in prison, and nobody would have asked him any questions. Come on, he's the second in command. He can do whatever he wants to do. 
but he saved their lives because he had forgiven them. My question to you is how was he able to forgive his brothers for such a horrible event in his life? I mean, think about this. 22 years, rather than living with his father, rather than living with his family, rather than being able to marry and have a life of his own, he's been in prison, he's been in shackles, he's been accused of all kinds of wrongdoing, he's had all kinds of hardships in his life. How was he able to have forgiveness in the midst of that situation? And I think it's one word. He had perspective. I think the reason that we don't forgive other people is because we have a lack of perspective. So this morning, I want to look at that in Genesis. I'm going to read this to you. Genesis chapter 45, 4 through 7. This is Joseph's perspective of what happened to him. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. How many of you know that if you put a man and threw him in prison and sold him as a slave, if you did that to him and you saw him 22 years later, you might come closely pretty slow. Or you may not want to come close. But Joseph said, come close. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, listen, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives. Come on. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He had perspective. He knew and understood that what they meant for harm, God turned around. Come on. Come on. They were jealous of him. They were mad at him. That's why they put him down. They were going to claim that he died. And then they actually had a little bit of grace and said, no, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery. Right? Not as bad, but still bad. But he had perspective. He had 22 years to think about the purpose of where he was and why he was. Some of us just need to have some perspective in our lives. We need to know and understand. So this morning, I'm going to tell you two things, how to have perspective. We're going to talk about how to have perspective. The first is this. You have to look to God. See, too many times we get caught up looking in our situation. We don't ever look to God. See, if Joseph would have just looked at his situation, how many of you know he would have gotten mad and upset? He wouldn't have been happy. He wouldn't have been able to forgive. The only way that he was able to is that he looked up to God. He knew that God had a plan for his life. How many of you know that God has a plan, but when something bad happens, you just look at the situation and you don't ever look to God? We've got to raise our eyes up from the situation and look to God that even in the midst of the most horrible situation, God can still use it. Come on. It's Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, what I know is that we know that scripture. We just don't believe it. See, we talked about that. When you believe something, you live it out. It causes you to change your actions. And if we believe that scripture, it says that God can take everything. Everything. Death. Suicide. Rape. Come on. Homosexuality. He can take everything and make it turn around for your good. That's what...
what has to be in our life. That's what we have to see. That's the only way we can have perspective in our life is if we know that God can take everything. Yes, your situation. Yes, the situations we create ourselves. Come on. The negative situations that we put ourselves in. The consequences that we are now reaping because of the actions that we had that we wouldn't change. Sometimes the consequences for the sin that we have in our life. God can take all of those things and turn them around for your good. Come on, we have to learn how to believe that. We have to look to God and believe that scripture. Amen? And the second way that we have perspective, and this is the most important is we have to understand our own forgiveness. I'm going to let that sink in. We have to understand our own forgiveness. See, we struggle with forgiving other people. Come on. Somebody can do wrong to you and you'll never speak to them ever again. Somebody can tell you something wrong, catch you can catch them on a bad day and they'll chew you up one side and down the other and you just write them off. I think that a lot of the times we're walking around and we don't understand our forgiveness, therefore we don't give forgiveness. Come on. I'm going to read a scripture to you and I hope it busts you in your teeth like it did me. Matthew chapter 18 verses 21 through 35. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Can I tell you he was trying to brag a little bit? He was going above and beyond the law, what was written as the law. He said, Jesus, should I forgive them seven times? Listen to what Jesus answered. I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Then the servant's master took pity on him canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Not 10,000 bags of gold, but just merely a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This, listen to this, this is how your heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Come on. That's a hard scripture to carry out. This is how your heavenly father will treat you unless you forgive your brother and sister where? From your heart. 
See, can I tell you what us Christians are good at? Oh, I forgive you. Can I tell you that's real easy? You know what's not easy is, hey, Chad, let me tell you about Tari. What are you going to say right there? Because if he's wronged me and I've truly forgiven him, come on. If I've truly forgiven him, I should be able to say nothing but good things to Chad. And the truth of the matter is, if all I can say is negative things to Chad about Tari, have I really forgiven Tari from my heart or was it just lip service? It's easy to say, hey, I forgive you, I forgive you, hey, I forgive you, hey, I forgive you. It's a whole nother thing to truly forgive them from your heart. And if we don't forgive them from our heart, what does it say? That's how the Father's going to treat us. What is he going to do? He's going to put us in jail and he's going to torture us until we can pay back the debt. How many of you can pay back the debt of your sin? Come on. See, this is a scripture we don't like. This is maybe a side of God that maybe we don't even like. To think that God would really torture us? Come on. He says, that's how my heavenly father. He went, he went into a, a huge amount of detail to tell us that story. Jesus did. And then he said, if you don't forgive your brother and sister, that's how my father is going to treat you. Come on. Our forgiveness depends on our ability to forgive others. Joseph had the perspective and he understood his own forgiveness and he knew He knew that he had been forgiven, and he knew that he should forgive others. Come on. He knew that his forgiveness was dependent upon his ability to forgive other people. Do you understand that? Come on, I'll read you another scripture. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your heavenly Father, Father will not forgive you. Meaning he can forgive you, but he will not forgive you. Do you understand the implications of that? Do you understand that if we don't forgive people, then we don't even have the ability to have salvation because the only way that we have salvation is forgiveness of all of our sins? Come on. We fail to understand this. We fail to grasp this. Come on. See, the truth of the matter is that some of you feel far away from God. I felt far away from God in my life. And the truth of the matter is that I didn't just feel far away from God. I really was far away from God. And the reason that I was far away from God is because I had unforgiveness in my heart. And it caused the Father not to be able to forgive me. Come on. It causes the Father to not be able to forgive me, you, when we don't forgive other people. See, can I tell you something? Can I bring this to a close and tell you it's very easy to forgive somebody that's not very close to you and very difficult to forgive the people that are very close to you? It's the people that are close to you that can hurt you the most. Listen to Psalms chapter 55, verses 12 through 14. It says, if an enemy were insulting me, this is a person that's far away, an enemy. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend, with whom I once enjoyed 
sweet fellowship at the house of God as we walked about among the worshipers. See, it's the people that are close to us. It's the people that we live with. It's the people that we have lived with. Those people that are close to us, when they do something that hurts our feelings, when they do something that's wrong, those are the people that are the hardest to forgive. It's friends that we let in so close to us that we told them a lot of our story. We told them things that we haven't told anybody else. And when they turn their back on us, and they post our business to all of Facebook, they don't say our name, but they just say it. I hate when people blah, 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 blah. And you like read it and go, well, I, I just did that to you. I thought we were friends, but I guess we're not. See, it's the people that are close. People that we let in that are close to us. How about Joseph? It was his brothers. It wasn't his enemy. It wasn't his foe. It was his friends. His brothers. They were blood. Come on. See, can I tell you the real truth is why we struggle in life reason we struggle is because we won't forgive our friends because we won't forgive our spouse come on because we won't forgive our father both earthly and heavenly because we won't forgive our mother it's because we won't forgive our sons and our daughters some of you are old enough that your kids have hurt you you raised them you sacrificed everything you could for them and when they got old enough, they turned their back and said, no, I don't need you. You, d- you don't need me? Sure seemed like that you need me when you were growing up. Luke sure acts like he needs me a lot. Come on, I've seen it. It's because we won't forgive our pastors. Christian people. They did that to me and they said they were a Christian. I'm a Christian. I make mistakes all the time. Christianity doesn't mean that you don't make mistakes. It means that hopefully when you realize you've made a mistake, you know how to fix it. So some of you this morning, maybe you've made the mistake of holding forgiveness. People that need their forgiveness need your forgiveness. See, the truth is, we didn't, we didn't even talk about that God said that if you forgive them, I'll forgive them. We didn't even talk about that. But we withhold forgiveness because we're mad. I don't even remember John Bevere wrote a book a long time ago. Anybody know what it was called? Pastor Bob, I know what you, I know you know what it was called. It's called the bait of Satan. He's preached about it. The bait of Satan, the word offense. Offense means that I'm not forgiving you. I'm mad at you and I'm not forgiving you. I will never let you live this down. I will always remember this. 
See, and the truth is what we do is we give lip service because we know we're Christians and we know that God will only forgive us if we forgive other people, that we say we forgive people, but we don't walk it out. Come on, everybody in this room's had people that have done wrong things to them. Yeah, some of them are maybe more wrong than others, but they're still wrong. There are things that you're upset about, things that you were hurt by, things that cost you pain and agony. And my question this morning is, are you going to have perspective about those things? Are you going to look to God and let him take the things in your life and work it for your good? Are you going to understand your own forgiveness? See, sometimes when we don't forgive other people, it's because we forget how much we need forgiveness. We forget how much God has already forgiven me. What we think is that we walk on water and we don't need as much forgiveness now because we're reading our Bible every day. I don't need as much forgiveness now that I'm praying to God every day. Can I tell you, you still need forgiveness today, just like you did the day you got saved. It doesn't matter. We've got to have forgiveness. And when we understand that, it easily allows us to forgive other people. So let me talk to you about what forgiveness really means. See, what we say and our excuse is, I forgive them, I just don't like them. I've said it. Oh, babe, you don't understand. I forgive them. I just don't like them. Come on, I'm going to get you. Oh, I forgive them. I just don't want to be around them. Some of you avoid Thanksgiving and Christmas because you've forgiven them. You just don't want to be around them. Come on. Oh, I forgive them. I just, you fill in the blank. Whatever you say. what's happened to me. I can't explain what's happened to you, but God, I'm going to allow you 
you to tell me the purpose. I'm a stronger person. I'm wiser than I used to be. This gave me X, Y, and Z. And when we allow God to give us that perspective, it allows us to forgive other people easily. Forgiving other people should be easy. But the enemy, think about this, the enemy knows that if he can get you to not forgive other people, you can't receive forgiveness from God. Doesn't matter how much you pray, read your Bible, go to church, go to Bible study, go to small group, doesn't matter. You cannot receive forgiveness from God if you won't forgive others. And the enemy knows that. So what does he do? He stabs you. Over and over and over in the same place. I can't believe they do that to you. You don't deserve that. You were the best friend they ever had. You loaned them money. You were there for them when nobody else was there for them. And then now they're going to treat you like this? Come on. You know how I know that? Because I've been there. Because I live there. And we've got to be quick to forgive. Just like God's quick to forgive. Does God ever look down at you and say, Woody, you don't deserve this forgiveness. Does he ever look down and say, Woody, why should I forgive you? I mean, in the middle of my sentence of asking him to forgive me, he forgives me. He forgives me that fast. We should forgive the same quickness as what God forgives us. So, Lord Jesus, this morning, help us. Help us all, Lord. To open our eyes, God, reveal to us God, reveal to us if we have unforgiveness in our heart. God, maybe we've said that we forgive them, but we haven't really forgiven them. God, we've told even ourselves that we forgive them, but we really, we don't want them to be blessed. We don't want them to have a good marriage. We don't want them to do good at their jobs. We don't want them to live in a better house than us. We don't want them to drive a better car than us. And God, that means that we really haven't forgiven them. So God, help us to deal with our unforgiveness this morning. In Jesus' name. relationship with Jesus. This morning, we can't go any further without stopping here and talking to you about your relationship with Jesus and asking you, have you received forgiveness from the Father? Have you allowed him to forgive you of all of your sin? Set your feet on a rock, change your address from hell to heaven. If not, this morning, we want to give you that opportunity. 
So with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, if you say, Woody, I need to receive the forgiveness from the Father. I need salvation to come into my life and change my address this morning. If that's you, just want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I see your hand right there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And this morning, I want us to all pray this prayer this morning. Say, Lord Jesus, this morning, I need your forgiveness. And I'm asking you for it. Forgive me of all my sin. And set me free. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you a question. Have you received God's forgiveness but failed to pass it on to others? Are you offended? Have you said that you've forgiven somebody but you really haven't forgiven somebody? If you're struggling with that this morning, would you raise your hand and say, that's me? Oh, yeah. That's kind of what I thought. Hands up everywhere. Lord Jesus, right now, God, we've, did, we've done the hardest part. God, we have admitted that we are offended, that we are upset. Lord Jesus, more than that, God, we're hurt by people that were close to us. God, we were hurt. And God, right now, God, let us look and have perspective. Look to you. Understand our own forgiveness, Lord. God, and let us give out forgiveness quick, as quick as you do, Lord. God, because we know that you've forgiven us and we should forgive other people. God, because we know that if we don't forgive others, you're not going to forgive us. So God, help us with our unforgiveness. Help us with our offense, with our grudges, with our hurts. God, help us to learn how to deal and handle those things. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Can I give you my testimony real fast? I, 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 I struggled with unforgiveness. Okay, not on minor scales, but on big scales. And there was people in my life that I didn't want to forgive. You been there? I just flat didn't want to forgive them. And I felt like when I was in college, I saw it running my life. I saw it running my life because I wouldn't forgive those people. People that were very close to me. And can I tell you, I don't know if this is any secret or not. But what I did is God challenged me to say out loud that I forgive them. See, how many of you pray in your mind? I do it all the time. I pray all the time and I, sometimes I don't say it out loud. Do you know that there's the power of life and death in your, not your brain, your tongue? I can't think a thought and it produced life. But I can say a thought, and it produces life. And I had to say it out loud. And I had to say them by name. God, I forgive so-and-so. And can I tell you, it wasn't instantaneous. Because I had things I needed to deal with on my end. I had to look to God. I had to understand my own forgiveness. They don't deserve forgiveness. Neither do you. But we 
we've got to treat them how we would want to be treated. If you made a mistake and if you were, you, if you had uh, uh, lots of judgments and you made a mistake, how would you want to be treated? Would you want to be, would you want to have to live up to that the rest of your life? No. You would hope that somebody had grace and mercy and offered forgiveness to you. Am I right? So that's what we've got to understand. And I challenge you this week to say it out loud. Today, if you need to, go to the bathroom so you're by yourself. If you really need to, turn on the exhaust fan so nobody can hear you. And you can say, God, I forgive. And call them by name. And do that over and over and over. And one day you're going to have the moment that I did. And I said it and I broke down crying. Why? Because I said it and I meant it. I really did forgive them. I really did want them to have a great life. Amen. Amen. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.